Hey guys, welcome back to the podcast. This time I have Elaine Ennis talking with me about all things judging, how she got into it and what she gets out of it and what she thinks need to be done for the future. So let's get to it. Welcome to the Europe is Coming podcast, taking you inside the minds of Europe's best CrossFit athletes and the people behind them. It is Sunday morning, it's 10 o'clock in Mallorca, 9 o'clock in Ireland, and I have the delicious, the delightful Elaine Ennis, who's a very well-known face on the CrossFit, European CrossFit scene. Elaine is not only a recently qualified uh, level one coach, but she is also a very well-known judge and uh, the founder of the Irish Fitness Judges. Welcome to the show, Elaine. Thank you so much, Vicky. Thank you for having me. Um, we've 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 known each other not a very long time, about a year or so. We met each other last year at Strength and Depth in London. Yeah, and you you stuck out to me at the time as being not only obviously quite you looked a bit fearsome out on the floor. <laughs> I wouldn't like to argue with you, um, but also off off this off the floor, you were like super friendly, super sweet, and I thought I wanted to speak to a judge. Who can I ask? And Elaine went. <laughs> in my mind and we were both at Berlin last weekend um it's been uh it's our recovery uh, our recoveries have been similar yeah you, uh, you've been as tired as I have this week but let's get yep. into it um firstly Elaine where are you from where what's your background um I'm originally from a place called Cabra in Dublin I live in a small town now outside of Dublin called Clonny it's County Meath so I'm here 19 years, just gone in February. Um, my background is off CrossFit. I am a project manager for um, a company called Perigord Premedia. So we do the pharmaceutical artworks for most of the large pharma companies like Pfizer, AbbVie, Merrick, um, all of the big pharma companies. So that is my back. Um, I am... Doing CrossFit nearly seven years, I think, this September. How did you get and, into it? Um, uh, I got into it. I had quite a bad relationship, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, I had quite an abusive relationship. And um, post-ending that, I decided to try and find something for me to get to find me back again um, and I went to what was then like TRX slash CrossFit gym nearby and um, I got really into it I really liked the community aspect and how women were able to you know forge friendships within CrossFit so I yeah, really liked that so that that's how I found CrossFit was through quite a bad situation, but um, I began to kind of find me again. So uh, here we are, seven, eight years nearly later. And uh, yeah, it's been 
a very wild ride. <laughs> so you found CrossFit the activity, but when did yeah. you find CrossFit the sport? How did you? How did that come about? So that came about through. I then initially left that that particular gym. Um, I left that gym and I left to go to a, what was initially a solely CrossFit gym as opposed to TRX slash strength and conditioning with a little bit of CrossFit mixed in. Um, and I found CrossFit as the methodology kind of, you know, and how that the methods and how CrossFit itself reaches out towards every aspect of it. So that for me then was about a year after that. So it was about seven years ago. Um, and then I started to one of the gym that I was in then initially, which was CrossFit 15. It was uh, it was somewhere that I found really comfortable. I forged really good friendships in that I still have today. Some like one of my best friends is through meeting her through that. Um, and I've made so many really good friendships through it and uh yeah so then I decided they had been competing quite a lot on the scene at that stage so then I started to go to support them through competitions and that's how I started to see the wildly different standards of judging on the floor Mm. where you could see somebody you know who had obviously volunteered for that day and they were initially I think nearly coaching the athlete through the workout and then you'd see someone who was probably very strict on a different athlete and I thought this is like wild how do we see such wild different standards you know at such a high level comp this needs to kind of maybe formalize or standardize a little bit so Mm -hmm. that's how that idea came about enter Elaine (laughs) (laughs) so um what did you do to just get into the judging? Did you just sort of con- uh, contact com- um, competitions and say, hi, stick my hand up, I'd like to to be considered to as a judge? Or what did you do? Initially, um, there was a competition that ran at the time. It, it's now defunct. It doesn't run anymore. And it was a fantastic competition here in Dublin. Um, and on the day, the gym that I was supporting was looking for volunteers to judge. I initially thought I'd give a hand in judging um, I would have known the standards I would have been doing CrossFit maybe two years at that stage um, and I gave a hand on that day and I loved it I absolutely loved the feeling of it and how being able to feel involved but also you know you can see the athlete at the end and how they've given all that work throughout their training so to be part of that was a really good nice feeling so I thought I really like this but something also needs to change here. So yeah. um, that's how I got involved. So you got involved really with your heart, didn't you? More than your yeah. head. <laughs> Absolutely. That's how I enter most things in life. <laughs> to my detriment think, at sometimes, but I think it's just as well your heart's in it because I mean it's a very demanding role that doesn't really get much um acknowledgement or thanks, it seems to me anyway, from the from, from the outsider looking in. Um, so your motivation originally was you saw um, issues in the standards of the judging, like they were inconsistent. But then when she'd actually yeah. taken it, when she'd had a go, you also fell in love with it. So absolutely, um, yeah. 
what what is a, a, a normal experience for a judge like um, uh, at a competition? What would you? What kind of things are you expected to do? Well, for for us over here, for for me running our group of judges here, when a competition initially contacts me, I have a very clear set of expectations that I will ask that competition organizer. And that stems from how we have been able to be, you know, how we were treated over the years. So my expectation is always that it, it seems very simple, but to us, it's huge. Is that we don't pay for tea or coffee because we've <laughs> had yeah. competitions over here where, you know, if a judge turns up and they queue for coffee on their break and they've had to pay for coffee. For us, that's kind of like, you know, why would you have to do that? So free tea and coffee is the first thing. Yeah. Yes. Um, foods. Yes. So fee- food to be provided as well. That's that's a second thing, whether it be sandwiches or whether it's, you know, sometimes they have food that is brought in from the outside or if they food trucks or whatever that a judge can walk up and they see their T-shirt and they don't have to pay for food. And the last thing is on their judge's brief or, so, or the, on the athlete brief to all the athletes, is that we ask for respect for the judges. They've given up their times as volunteers. They've given up their weekends, their day. Most people work Monday to Friday. Or some people work shift all weekends. Like if we have a couple of people who are nurses who are on 24-hour shift or on call. They've given up their time. So respect for the judges is asked for the athletes. So they're my three expectations when I ask for or people come to me looking for judges. Because you guys are normally volunteers, aren't you? You're not going to uh, absolutely outside outside of tea, coffee, sandwiches, and a free T-shirt yeah. with judge on it. Yeah, you're not really. Yeah. You don't really get anything else, do you? Um, and no. For for example, you you've been to Berlin. Did you pay for your own yeah. travel? Did you pay for your own accommodation? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So it's um it is a big passion project, really, isn't it? It's a huge passion. Like my mom is nearly 85 years of age. And no matter how many times I tell her that I'm going somewhere to do a competition and she's fully, absolutely convinced that I've some sort of huge income coming in from judging when she can't understand this concept of she's doing all this for free. And I'm, you know, trying to explain to her that this is my huge passion. This is my thing. You know, this is where I feel I make an impact. Um, but she's still of this idea that I'm going to suddenly come up with some sort of an income. But there is some competitions who have aligned over the last couple of years and they have given us discounted, you know, rates on hotels. They has give, they've given us like here, over here in Ireland, there's quite a few competitions who have come on board and they've offered to pay for fuel costs. They've given us, you know, maybe 50 euro off fuel so that would be like an expense towards maybe traveling that day. So that's come a long way from where we were. Yeah. Um, so, so I think they recognize, you know, that that can be an added cost. If you're going from maybe Dublin to Northern Ireland, you could be throwing 60, 70 quid into your car. So that goes a little bit of a way towards something. So in a normal year, Elaine, how many competitions are you going to? I mean, how many weekends away is that? Um, last year... For this year, it's scaled back for me quite a lot. Um, I am currently going through breast cancer treatment. I have stage two breast cancer. I have a smaller tumour um, mm-hmm. that now has to, this will be my fifth 
fifth time for surgery. So, um, Babe. I have to kind of be mindful of cost as well. So last yeah. year I did over 33 weekends here and the UK and two in Europe. So cost wise, I simply can't afford it. Um, while my passion, you know, I'd love to do as many as I possibly could. This year I decided, I think towards the end of last year, I also decided I need to step back a little bit for health for health wise. It's not good to punish your body in that way, particularly in my set of circumstances. This year, um, I've decided financially, yeah, it's not viable in an awful lot of ways. Um, but two, I, I can't really commit to an awful lot of abroad camps. Um, like I will still do in the UK, like strength and depth. I done in Amsterdam. I did the throwdown in Amsterdam. Um, so while I would love to do an awful lot more, I've done Berlin. I can't realistically do an off lot of comp. So this year that will probably be halved. Mm. It'll probably be maybe 15 or 16. Still a lot. It is still a lot, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I, I hope that your, uh, your your treatment is successful and that you can get over it quickly. It's uh, it sucks Thank you. to have to be in that kind of condition. But I think yeah, like training training and a good mindset goes a long way. And having good friends around you as well, I hope that they are. Yeah, I've a, I've a really, I've a huge like, real admiration for like my friends have been absolutely brilliant from my closest set of friends to work friends to I have a phenomenal like gym I train in CrossFit Bua, um, and the set of people that I have from trainers to the wider gym community within there is absolutely fantastic. So I really couldn't ask for any more. Yeah. Okay, let's talk about. Um, the pressure of judging, because uh, I do remember when we spoke about this last year. When we, I didn't really, I didn't record the conversation. I wish I, I had, because um, I was asking you, how do you cope with the pressure of, of of being on the floor? Because you're, you know, you're under so much scrutiny. Yeah. These days as well from social media because yeah. it's live streamed all the rest of it. How do you feel when you go out there and? Can you give me a couple of examples of maybe having to give a no rep and telling, I don't know, some famous athlete that they've, uh, that, that's going to be done again. Cause uh, yeah. it's, it's must, I, from my, from my point of view, I think it would be very difficult to, uh, to stand up against that kind of pressure. Yeah. I think the biggest one I think was, was back in Berlin just last weekend. Um, I had a BKG and there's quite, there's a video, a, a really nice guy. He's a good friend of mine, Kieran Motts, posted um, and tagged me at the minute. I know repped BKG on his um, his bench press. I saw it. His Hello, Kieran. Shout out press. to Kieran. <laughs> we love Kieran. Um, so that's probably the most recent famous one. For me, I've always stood on the grounds of, not that I don't care who BKG is. He's an f- absolutely phenomenal athlete. But if you're, you know, John Brown from, you know, a tie and I'm doing a competition, I will still give that same um, care and attention to John Brown as I will for BKG. You know, they deserve equal attention. They've given, you know, probably the same amount of training and everything goes. When I walk out onto the floor, while I still get the same nerves every single time, 
um, I will still get nervous about it. But once three to one starts, I just go into a different zone and I'm just looking for standards. If they don't meet the standards, it's a no rep. So that's where I've always kind of stood. I will give the same attention. Now, up to a couple of years ago, I used to get quite a lot. Probably one of my best friends will still, well, she will laugh at this. And I would still get quite into it. And I would still nearly do the workout with the athletes <laughs> and get so invested and so involved. But I, I, know, I know on a bigger stage, I can't do that. You know, well, it's in, well, in the open, in the gym, in my own gym, I can still do stuff like that and become really involved and nearly coach the athlete through the workout. But on a larger, on a larger stage, you know, a judge has to be completely professional. They have to just judge the standards. It's a no rep, it's a no rep. So you have Mm. to be completely focused. I love all the choreography you guys do. I mean, I mean, like, there isn't a better word than that because I, I was watching. Like, so you, at one minute you all walk to your spots, and at thirty seconds, if you've got Take to kneel, knee. you kneel, and all yeah. that sort of thing. And I was like, this is so cool because yeah. it, it, it's so because it just makes you look so organised and like as a, yeah. and like a team as well. Do you yeah. know each other from other competitions, or do you offer yes. like so you're like a big community of judges? You're a community yeah. within a community. Absolutely. Like uh, I've made some really, really great friends. Like some of my closest friends are true judging and I've met them true judging and they, they span far and wide. Like we have really good judges in the U S that, you know, we would communicate quite a lot with as well. And we were so behind them when we see them at the U S comps at the games, at some of the semifinals within Orlando. So yeah. And then some of my closest friends are in the UK I have some of my, you know, really good friends. Like there's a guy in Europe, Lawrence, who runs the same as me, but for all of the European countries, like, you know, he's Belgium, the Netherlands, Germany, Scandinavian, and we've become really close. So, yeah, absolutely. It's a community within a community. We we forged an awful lot of really good friendships over the years. And do you have a, like um, almost like a council of judges? Do you have a way that you could organise yourselves? Do you have like not an necess- association? No, not no, we don't. Um, I I set up Irish fitness judges over here to maybe formalise that in a sense that you know we needed a group of judges who wasn't going to be the same three or four people turning up at competitions, people who had the same invested passion that I have to maybe share that and keep that group, you know, and try and make it a little bit more professional and standardized here. So while I have it here and Laurent has it within Europe to an extent, he's built up a really good bank of, you know, great volunteers, phenomenal judges and we don't have an association as such. So we kind of just liaise between each other. I know the UK um, are tr- trying to kind of do similar to what I would have. There was quite a lot of people within the UK who, you know, are all very much friends as such, but they don't have like a larger group as such. So, yeah, I think it, that because- relies on competitions, putting out links. What I because well, one of the things that occurs to me because I when I watched you guys working on the floor last weekend I could see like you know there would be I don't know the name of the the woman that was coordinating in between like the, the one that was, she was a female head judge 
But she's been at, she was at the European Championships as well, I think. And I've seen her. A couple That's Sarah of Radcliffe. Yeah. She, yeah. she now has a new, um, so she's worked really, really hard to get the position that she's, she had at Berlin. So it's a new position within CrossFit, like a judges coordinator. So she is like a glue that would, if we would have a problem within the judges group, you know, somebody might need to step out of for that that particular reason they might need to go to loo they might need extra time she might need to rearrange the group if they have a problem on the floor if an athlete had a problem on the floor we initially go to sarah so that that um new position is it's a fantastic <clears throat> position and she's she's done really well on that because i was watching her running around like making sure everyone was okay i could see like little whispering bits going yeah. on all over the place yeah. and i was thinking like i mean like it must be it must be really hard to maintain con- the consistency in the group especially when you're like when you've got like, very complicated um uh, movements to judge and i yeah. wondered how i mean this is something that john and i were talking about later is that how do you become how do you agree on the standards and make sure that everybody understands the standards um because like that's one of the things that must be like the biggest challenge for judges is that everybody's is on the same page for, exactly everyone's singing from the same hymn sheet and uh, yeah. i wondered that's why i'm asking about have you got an association or is yeah. there a way that how do you like communicate everybody this is what a ring muscle up is this is what a push up yeah. is or whatever it is that they're doing is there, so a, is there a, an internal thing? It, it kind of is. So initially when those workouts are released, obviously we would be looking at them as an individual. But then when we turn up at the event behind the scenes, there's quite a lot of hours of where the head judge will initially go through those workouts with a fine tooth comb and make sure that we're all aligned, that we're all on the same page, that if there's any questions or you know, someone's not quite sure as to exactly what that is, that those are all ironed out initially at that stage. Then that goes to, on the day, we still have another brief on that, that that will break that down even more. Then it will, we will all have to sit in, you've probably seen us all sitting in on the athlete brief. So we mm-hmm. were able to see if, the, if individual athletes are on a team, that they have questions in relation to standards that we see what they're not quite sure of. So then we can go back then to the judges room and initially iron out that questions as we see it from their perspective, as opposed to a judge's perspective. So those are really ironed out quite a lot over a long period of time, over, you know, different stages so that we're Mm -hmm. all aligned. So yeah, it's quite a complex process. I guess as well, another thing that kind of is against you is that, Sometimes that different depending on like for example if someone's filmed a, an athlete and they're being and then and afterwards it's like that wasn't a no rep but the but yeah. the, but the judge gave a no rep maybe the filming was at a different angle to angle. the one that the judge is looking at is that yeah. something that happens absolutely that actually happened to me in Berlin last weekend um, oh. where I gave a no rep for depth um, but yeah I'm sure that the athlete had already had in it. He had initially asked me at the end um, as to why that no rep was given. Because he probably felt maybe he was hitting depth. But also, you know, you can see that, as you had said, like there's so much scrutiny. So you could see it probably from a different level. So it might have looked below parallel. But when you're literally maybe centimetres away from the athlete, you know, and you know that it's mm. not hitting depth. Absolutely, that happens all the time where you do have 
video cameras, video evidence. And that will go then to like people who are able to sit down and scrutinize that. So there is an appeal that was in this particular instance here at Berlin, there was an appeals manager. So they then take that on board and we direct them first off to the head judge and then they direct to appeals. So there is a process. Yeah. I mean, I know that on the floor, they can't appeal a no rep. Is that right? But they they can appeal it after? Well, like they could appeal it on the floor. Well, not necessarily appeal it. Like they wouldn't be going into a direct conversation with the judge on the floor. Mm. But they can at the end, you know, if they're not happy, we direct them. We tell them where to go. Um, There is a process that they do have to follow. But I suppose not necessarily in Berlin, but there is instances where you will have an athlete in the middle of a workout screaming at you for what's a no, why are you giving them a no rep? That's stressful for everybody involved. There's no need for losing our tempers. (laughs) Yeah. A lot of testosterone. (laughs) I'm sure adrenaline is kicking in big time, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's a lot on the line for these guys when they've been training so hard. And 100%. I mean, yeah, I mean, I mustn't, be, I mustn't diminish that because I know. No, it's their livelihoods how, and sponsorships. And, you know, they've worked probably three, four times of sessions a day for maybe a year, 18 months to get to this stage. So we can't undervalue that at any stage. This is their mm-hmm. livelihood. You know, we're fully aware that this could be down to one point. This could be one no rep away from getting making it there or not oh as always <laughs> um so what going forward how do you think that you you as a kind of judges community can can it can continue to improve on what you're already giving what do you think needs to be put in place that would be helpful to make to because crossfit talk about professionalizing themselves a lot yeah but a, a huge part of that's got to be the judging community and how you guys are supported and how and how that part of the sport is respected what would you say would need to be put in I think for us I think we've kind of said quite vocally all along that you know while the L1 is a fantastic you know input everyone should do an L1 just you know for to progress the CrossFit career but I think there should be a judges course solely not just an online course I think an in-person judges course would be a fantastic addition to CrossFit Um, I think it would encourage more people to become involved in the judges course as opposed to you know doing an L1 to progress their judging not necessarily career but their passion Um, I think a judges course would be a huge addition um, I think for competitions, I think in order for to make judges' lives a little bit better would be maybe subsidizing some of their, you know, maybe discounted rates for accommodation, maybe some help towards helping judges make it there all the time. Because I know for me, while I'd loved, I'd love to do the games, financially, that's an impossibility for me. Um you know, and people are still aghast as to, are you going to eventually do the games now, Elaine? And I answer no, because it's a financial aspect, you know, and that's, for me, that's, it seems like a huge shame for CrossFit because I know I'm not the only judge out there that 
you know, I've I've plenty of judges even within my own group, and there's a lot within the UK, and I'm sure in Europe, there are phenomenal judges, and financially they can't go because it's a you know, well the flights are probably fine, you know, then they have to find another couple of thousand for accommodation. Yeah, they find, do. So that that I think would be some form of a way if they gave some sort of you know discounted rates or maybe something in an in incentive wise mm. plus a, a judge's sole course over a weekend I think would be even a one day in person you know with seminar staff being able to direct I think that would be a fantastic addition. One of the things that um, we were speaking about on the podcast last week was um, how maybe um, like a standardised um, or a, like releasing the standards before the season begins, and then not, and then like everything being forensically um, <clears throat> described, so that you guys don't get weird, crazy surprises half an hour before a competition. Because sometimes I know that. Um, workouts are released very late and you probably don't know them any earlier than the athletes do so you don't have much time to prepare to judge that yeah um and that was something that I think that um I've as I understand the athletes association have been pushing for so pushing for uh, yeah yeah and um I think that, that what do you think about that would that be helpful as well that that's another thing that I if I'm in if I'm in contact quite a lot I know with the competition organizers here are quite good at that they they will release stuff to me you know maybe a week or two beforehand so I can release it to the judges they can come back to me with questions and go not quite sure as to what that is and then I can go back to the competition so that's been a huge addition I know Mm. over here it's actually really really good um so that would I think maybe iron out a lot of the unknowables that you go and you see maybe the day or the day before you're kind of well the element of surprise is fantastic and it's great for the spectator, you know, I suppose, but for the athlete and the judge, it's a bit, you know, they're not maybe on the same page sometimes. So I think that would be a fantastic thing for, you know, organizers to maybe release two judges as such, because they would have their judges signed up for at that stage. And maybe, you know, in a Slack channel, you know, they can be released in that sense in PDF form or, you know, they can be, distributed in that way you don't even have to I mean like you don't have to release the actual workouts per se you can release just, just the, actual the movement movements. standards yeah absolutely so you still you still don't know what comes with what what's going with what yeah but yeah we, we were thinking that that would be something that would be helpful as well because then you have the yeah. opportunity to really go through it yeah um and uh the last thing I wanted to say is thank you oh thank you so much thank you for because asking <laughs> No, no, because I, 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 I'm, I'm just a passionate fan of the sport too. But without the yeah. judging community, there oh. isn't a sport really, because there'd just be a bunch of athletes like bamming through a load of <laughs> workouts, and not, and you know, it could just be a bun fight out there. So thank you for all the work that you're doing, and um, and the passion and the dedication that you show, because it's really amazing. Thank you. I well, you know. I like to be able to think that people can feel that back and it's nice for even one person to say that they can see that I'm still passionate now this amount of years on. Um, I still dedicate most of my weekends throughout the year to to judging and trying to move the 
sport forward. That's always been the main goal. And, you know, whilst I think I've made some headway in doing it, I would like to think that people, if they're even curious about doing it, that that would spark a little bit of a fire and go, do you know what, maybe that might be for me. So, Mm. um, yeah. How would it mean, like, if people wanted to volunteer to be a judge, what would you say to them? What would you say would be a good place to start? A good place to start, I, I always have, like, we've a couple of new members this year and they've always said, oh, I don't know whether it's, you know, I, I'm a bit nervous about it. And mm. what I've always said is in your class, in your box, in your affiliate, wherever you're training, just watch out during the wads. You know, you'll always have one person within the gym that you're on the fence as to whether they're depth or whether they're fully locked out on something. Just watch the movements within your gym you know, if you're at a, a competition, just keep an eye on somebody, you know, just maybe keep an eye on what people are doing and maybe, you know, you'll you'll actually find that spark or fire within you to go, do you know what, that might be for me. It's for everybody and everyone starts somewhere and you make huge mistakes in the way. You have to accept that we're all human. We all make mistakes. We're all you know, out trying to make some sort of a change within the sport. It's quite, it's still quite a new, new sport. CrossFit only very, very new sport, and we're all still learning. And um, while we are all hugely passionate about it, and we all love CrossFit as a sport, um, you know, I would always say to somebody, just try it. You never know. Yeah, brilliant. Well, thank you so much for today, and um, thank you. Take care of yourself. I hope I get to see you. I mean, I think that. I, th- I think the Games is going to come outside of America in 2025. So maybe you won't have to maybe. fly to Madison. You can fly <laughs> to Berlin or London or Madrid. Or Wouldn't that be just fantastic? I think that would yeah. be fantastic for, you know, while the US, it's, it's, it's a phenomenal setup. And it's like, you know, it's the pinnacle of everything. I think it would be hugely fantastic for us in Europe or Scandinavia or someone outside of you you know the US to experience that on such a large scale well I got Adrian Bosman and Don Fall to independently (laughs) agree that actually Berlin had been the best semi-final that they'd been to yes we we heard that I didn't hear him saying that but we also heard from both of them that they absolutely thought it was a phenomenal setup so yeah yeah Yeah. it'd be great to replicate it again but possibly make just I think I'd change my shoes I don't think I'd wear the pair of shoes I was wearing because my feet really hurt yeah um and I would uh and I would try to take a little bit more time to enjoy it rather than like running around like a crazy woman all weekend yeah It was a great time. It was a fantastic couple of days. It really was. It was, I think now looking back in on it, it was really something special. Definitely something special. It's good to have these moments to appreciate them. Yeah. And um, I hope that 2025 European CrossFit Games, that would be amazing. Fingers crossed. Wouldn't that be something really amazing? It would be. I, it, it's all, Europe is coming. It has to. We have to have this. We do. I'm, we have so I much to showcase. Yeah. Well, come on. I think we watched um, the winning, the winner of the CrossFit Games on the female podium at the weekend, and I think at least yeah. one of the men uh, in the top three is going to be top three in America. So yeah, it's a, it's very wide open, but definitely the right people got their tickets, 
And um, yeah. I definitely think it's this year, you know, it's wide open. It's definitely wide open. It's a stacked field. And um, I definitely think someone can make a lot of history. Think, who do you think it's going to be, Elaine, between you and me? Uh, I think Laura. Ho- I think this is Laura Hobart's year. Mm-hmm. Um, I definitely think she looks so. You know, her, her. I think her game is just so complete. You know, I think her mindset is so good. She looks so fluid on the floor. Her movement is so good. I think it could be Laura Hobart's year. You know what? I really appreciated when she did the handstand push-ups. Because all yeah. the pundits are always going on about, yeah. oh, she'll oh, never she... do it, the hands don't put... And she was like, she just blasted through them and then took the win. I was like, yes, Laura, come on. Because I just, I find that so annoying when people yeah. say, oh, that's the weakness. It's the same thing as when they say, uh, Pat Vellner can't swim. It's like, yeah. you know what? <laughs> I'm sure he can. Yeah, so that was really she's nice made her weakness now one of her absolute strongest points. Yeah. It was very good to watch. Yeah, I my money's... I think firmly on Laura, Laura's year yeah. this year. It's Laura or Gabby for me. Gabby is phenomenal too. She's she's really really good. Her gymnastics is absolutely flawless. She is so mm. so good. She's worked very I, hard on that. She's worked really hard. But I I think this year I'd I'd love to see Laura do it. I think. Yeah, me too. Yeah. And what about the boys? The boys this year, I think is um, it's really hot. Oh, it's, it's very close yeah I think Justin's semi-final you know I think people were giving him really hard time for not you know really giving event wins solidly all the time but he was super consistent the whole way which I think as we all know consistency is key um but this year for me I'd love to see Pat do one I'd love Belner to do one yeah, yes. I or Vakowski. I really like both of those guys. They've just so like, do uh, I. They've yeah. got beautiful personalities as well as being amazing athletes. Yeah, but I, I also think Lazar's got it going on. Lazar has that real magic factor. He's super confident. I think mm. you know he portrays that he's you know I think everything he portrays oh he's able to fulfill. He's confident. His movement is good on the floor. You know he's able to ex. He, He's just so, so good. Mm. So Lazar, a, I think, is one to watch for definite. Uh, and also, like, again, lovely man. And I think that really, like, when you yeah. get to the top level of uh, of these athletes and you get to know them a little bit, you realise yeah. they're, pro- they're really rounded per- people. I mean, like, obviously they have to be very um, selfish or self-centred yeah. in order to get to where they are. But they're yeah. still great, great Quite humble well. underneath it all. Yeah. Yeah. My surprise so. at, at Berlin, I had not really, I'd not really followed Janikowski over the last couple of years. You know, I've always kind of admired him and I thought he's a phenomenal athlete. But for me, the biggest takeaway, I think, from Berlin is how good he actually is. It's and not how over. nice it's he not is. Over. Yeah. He's not over for Jana, that's for sure. No, he, he was my surprise. He was so humble, he was so nice. And his execution of that workout with the overhead squats was absolutely flawless. So, Janikowski, yeah. I think, is one to watch. Good shout. Okay. Thank you. Lots of love to you. Lots Thanks of love much. back. Yes. <laughs> Lots of love um, from Dublin. Um, back at you from Mallorca. Thank you, Elaine. It was great to speak to you. 
Next up on the show, we will start to catch up with some of the athletes who have qualified for the Games. This episode was presented by me, Vicky McLeod. Until next time, thanks for listening and bye-bye. Don't miss the next episode. Subscribe now wherever you get your podcasts. Europe is Coming is a programme production and hosted by Vicky McLeod. <laughs>